mountains. So, if you had 30 minutes with Jesus, just the two of you, over coffee, use it, use it for PBS and it works fine. Use it to preach. The devil doesn't like my microphone, I don't know. All right. If you had 30 minutes with Jesus, just the two of you, over coffee or a donair, I think he would like donairs. And you could have any conversation for 30 minutes. What would you talk about? Right? What, what, would, what questions would you ask? What, what would you lead in with as a conversation starter? Jesus, I've always wanted to know. I've always wanted to understand. What do you think he would want to talk about? This is the question we're considering in our summer series called Convos with Jesus, where we zoom in in the Gospels to some encounters where some people actually had the opportunity to talk with Jesus for half an hour. And they could talk about anything. What did they talk about? And why? And how did these conversations impact their lives or not? And so this morning we're looking in Mark chapter 10. If you've got Bibles or Bible apps, you can zoom there with me. Mark chapter 10, starting in verse 17. We're going to read the scripture first. Mark 10, 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all of these I've kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and he said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to each other, who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, with this, with, with man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. There are 
three accounts of today's story in the Gospels, in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. They all tell the story of this encounter just a little bit differently, as we would expect from three different witnesses. They're not contradictory, but each one gives us a little more of the picture as we piece them together to understand what was going on in this situation. None of the accounts name this man. We don't, we don't, know, we don't know who he was for sure. We usually call him the rich young ruler. Although, although none of these gospel accounts give us all these details, rich, young, ruler, none of the three accounts give us all three of those details about his life. They all say he's rich. In fact, Luke specifies he was exceedingly rich. We might say filthy, stinking rich, right? We learn from Matthew that he was young, and we learn from Luke that he was a ruler. Uses the Greek word archon, which sometimes means like prince. In today's standards, this man was probably a billionaire trust fund kid who had become an heir to his father's vast holdings. first thing that we notice that strikes us oddly in this story is the behavior of the rich prince. Mark's account that we read tells us he runs up to Jesus and falls to his knees at his feet. You know, this is really strange behavior for anyone, right? If somebody in this room right now ran up to someone else and fell at their feet, you know, we'd be like, what is going on, right? But even more so for someone of his status, for a rich, spoiled billionaire, they don't run anywhere unless they're going jogging. They certainly don't fall at people's feet. So what is going on in this situation. Well, we know that he did this in Mark's gospel. It says he did this as Jesus started on his way. Or as one of the other accounts says, as he turned to leave. So what had just been happening? Well, Jesus had been teaching. Jesus had been had spent the day teaching the people who had gathered around to listen. And this, this man, I, I doubt he was in the front row, but he was probably at the back of the crowd listening in to what Jesus had to say. And something unraveled him to the core. Well, what had Jesus been teaching? Luke's account here helps us a little bit. In Luke 18, verse 9, it's, it starts, and this is all happening in the same, in the same, um, you know, the same 
incident, the same day, says, to some who were confident in their own righteousness and looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. And Jesus goes on to tell the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee who are in the temple. And the Pharisee calls out to God, lifts up his eyes to heaven, lift up his hands to heaven, says, God, I thank you. I'm, I'm not like that, that tax collector over there. I give my tithes every week. And I come to worship you here and I bring my offerings and I bring, you know, he's just boasting about his, his, his religious duty that he fulfills. And then, of course, the, the tax collector can't even lift up his eyes and he beats his chest. He says, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says, it was that man that walked away righteous that day. Right? And then Jesus goes on in, in Luke 18, verse 15. In the same, the, the same episode, it says people were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, They pushed them away, and Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, for such is the kingdom of heaven. Right? And he goes on to say, Unless you become like one of these, you cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. When we read these stories from our perspective, they seem like the Jesus we know. We expect him to say these things because we've, we've heard them all of our lives. But as a religious Jew in the first century, this man had a worldview that told him that zealously keeping God's rules, being part of the right crowd, and being someone important was how you got God's attention and how you won his favor. And Jesus had just told him, that a repentant tax collector had God's attention and favor more than a zealous Pharisee. And that one could not become like a, if one could come, not become like a little child, they could not enter God's kingdom. And this dismantled everything that this man thought he knew about God and how God's system works. His world was unraveling before his eyes. It's a lot of talk these days. I don't know if you've caught this. If you're watching YouTube videos and teachings and, you know, podcasts and those kinds of things much. There's a lot of talk these days about people deconstructing their faith. People talk about examining the things that they have been told and believe about God and the Bible and faith and throwing out all or part of it because they no longer believe those things. My first question to people who are in this process is to ask them, who is this God that you're not sure you believe anymore 
because I may not believe that God either. Right? What do we believe about who God is? There are a lot of things that are believed about who God is and how he works that should be thrown out. And that was the case for this young man. And he comes and he falls at Jesus' feet as his understanding of God is unraveling. And he says, good teacher, what must I do then to inherit eternal life? Jesus uses the man's question to recenter him on the most important thing that he needed to know and he needed to hold on to. God is good. I've recently listened to some videos of people talking about why they have deconstructed their faith. And it often comes down to difficult passages in Scripture that they don't know what to do with, and so they paint God with the brushes of those difficult Scriptures and say they can't believe in that kind of God. There's a, there's a lot of things in the Scriptures that cause us to wonder. There's a lot of things we, that, are, that are mysterious and that we don't fully understand. There are mysteries that we struggle with. But the one thing we need to know is that God is good. Jesus is perfect theology. That means God looks like Jesus. If you want to know what God looks like, if you want to know about his character, look at Jesus. Jesus came to display the Father before us, and he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And any passages we don't understand need to be filtered through this lens. God looks like Jesus, and Jesus is good. Amen? And then Jesus points him to the Ten Commandments to make the ironic point that, the comma that commandment keeping will still leave us empty. This hits the young man right where he's at because he's worked hard to keep all these rules, but it, but it hasn't still given him the fulfillment that he is longing for in his soul. And Mark is the only one that gives us this phrase. In the three tellings of this story, Jesus looked at him and loved him. Isn't that powerful? In the midst of this conversation, Jesus looks into the eyes of this young man who's struggling with eternal questions, who's struggling to, to, to know where he, where he lies, where he lands with God. And Jesus looked at him and loved him. Something in the heart of Jesus went out to this young man. 
He wanted him to choose God. He wanted him to win. He wanted him to have the fulfillment in his soul that he, that, that he ached for. And so Jesus calls out the one idol in this man's life that was standing between him and eternity. Money. If Jesus had this same conversation with you and I, this same 30-minute moment of exchange, what would he call out in our lives? What is that one thing that stands in the way of us, not just one time, but how many know this, this journey we're on is every day choosing God? Every day choosing to prioritize the kingdom of heaven. What is that one thing that Jesus would put his finger on in our lives that is standing between us and choosing God every day? One thing you lack, Jesus said. Go sell everything you have and give to the poor. I think one of the reasons Jesus said that is this man had not understood that he had been blessed to be a blessing. Not to hoard wealth, but to be a channel of God's goodness to other people. Go sell everything you have. Give to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Jesus loved him. And out of love, invited him to let go of the false hope that he was clinging to and instead to grab a hold of true hope. So often we hang on to things. We cling to things because we think they will bring us the peace and the comfort that we long for. And, and all the while, God wants to give us something so much better, but we won't let go of the things that we're clutching. The scripture says, at this the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Man's response was almost instantaneous. He barely needed any time at all to work through his life's priorities in his head. You know, our priorities are not what we say they are. They're what we show they are. You can tell me you love Jesus, but show me your calendar, how you spend your time. Show me your contact list, who your friends are. Show me your bank statement, how you spend your money. You're meddling now, Pastor. Gets worse. Show me your Netflix viewing history, what you watch, 
and I will tell you what your true priorities are. The man said he wanted eternal life. He said he wanted God's purpose for his life. But faced with the decision to choose God over the things that he owned, he, he chose his stuff in a moment. What do you think Jesus would ask you? What idol would he confront you with? What could be standing between you and eternal life? What I find the most interesting about this interaction, especially in Mark where it says Jesus looked at him and loved him, is that Jesus let him just walk away. I think so often today we're, you know, we're, we're willing to bring the bar down if somebody walks away. Well, 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 it's not, you know, it doesn't cost you that much. Just, just pray this sinner's prayer and you'll be okay. It doesn't cost you that much. But Jesus didn't bring the bar down. He let him walk away. He didn't change his theology because it was inconvenient. Loving people doesn't mean changing our theology. Loving people doesn't mean making them choose what we want them to choose. Loving people means presenting them with the truth the best we understand it and then respecting them as they make their decision Yes or no? In verse 23 to 25, Jesus makes this statement about how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. He uses this hilarious picture right, of a camel going through the eye of a needle. There was this thing that went around a few years ago that, oh, what that really means, there was this, this gate that was called the eye of the needle and the camel had to get down and waddle through that, you know, and blah, blah, blah. But actually that, that didn't happen until about a thousand years after Jesus. Th th that gate didn't exist in the time of Jesus. It's not, it was literally, Jesus was, was making this joke or, the, or this ironic statement about it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter into the kingdom of God. We in our culture, when we hear Jesus say that, we immediately think, oh, he's talking about the Kardashians. He's talking about Jeff Bezos. Right? He's talking about Elon Musk. Let's take a moment and consider why it is that when massive evangelistic meetings are held in Africa, for example, by ministries like Reinhard Bonnke, millions of people respond to the gospel in one swoop. It's amazing. 
And when we share the gospel in our culture, it is a miracle to get one person to say yes to Jesus. Statistics say that 14.5% of the residents of Canada live in food insecure homes. And that's a sad reality. And more needs to be done to help those who deal with this. But the flip side of that statistic is that 85% of people in our country don't have to worry about where their next meal is coming from. They have access to fresh produce 52 weeks a year from all over the world. They eat protein at every meal if they want. They sleep in clean, warm beds. They have doors and windows that keep out the cold in the winter. They use washrooms on clean toilets that take their waste away to processing plants and they never have to smell it or see it. They own vehicles or have access to public transit that can carry them off to just about everywhere they need to go. They have access to world-class medical service provided by the government. What I'm getting at is the poorest person in the 85% would fit, would be more better off in comfort and access to all of those things than the greatest king or emperor in the ancient world. We don't realize how blessed and well-off we are. All of us who find ourselves in the 85% would fit into Jesus' classification of those who are rich. We don't need God in our culture because we have everything we need, or so we think, to have a comfortable existence. And our self-sufficiency makes our culture resistant to the gospel. And so the disciples ask an important question that rings in our hearts today. Who then can be saved? It says Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. It is a miracle, folks, when anyone comes to know Jesus in our world, and particularly in our culture. Most of you in this room, most of you watching online this morning, are here and tuned in because despite the fact that you are well provided for and relatively self-sufficient, God made himself known to you in such a way that you found him irresistible. And you said yes to him.
You knew that he was the missing piece in your life. You had all that stuff that you needed, but there was something still missing. There was something you needed more than food and a warm bed. You needed God. God worked the greatest miracle of all, you coming to know the saving grace of God in Christ. Forgiveness of sins, healing from the past, hope for the future. And yes, eternal life. What can I do? The man asked. That thing that the rich young ruler desperately wanted, most of you here today have. And that is a miracle. It's a miracle. But if you're here in this room today, or watching online, and you don't know where you will spend eternity. If you feel like if Jesus were here in this moment, that you would want to throw yourself at his feet and ask him the same question, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And if that's you, if that's you here in this room, if that's you watching online, today is your day. Because I get to tell you that it's not about what you do. Wrong question, young man. It's not about what you do, but what has been done for you. And in response if we repent of our idols, we repent of the things that we've been clinging to instead of Jesus, and we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross, dying to take our sin, and to give us the opportunity to be adopted into the family of God, then you shall have eternal life. God is here today to do a miracle of salvation. It doesn't matter what you've banked your life on before this moment. Jesus is asking you to trade it for him. To trust him as your savior and king. To say yes to Jesus no matter what the cost. Because he alone is worth everything. Give Jesus your yes and let him lead you from this day forward and he will transform your life. Worship team, please come. Let's stand.
God, we are here this morning standing before you. So grateful for your presence in the room. So grateful for your faithful love. So grateful that you sent your son into this world to clear up any doubts we had that you are good. Thank you for your love that went to the cross for us. Thank you that every guilt, every shame, every failure, every sin was born on that cross by you, Jesus. That you do not offer us hoops to jump through. brownie points to earn but you have paid our debt and instead you invite us to a relationship with God that is a lifelong adventure of knowing you and walking with you that is in itself a miracle God, in this moment, we may not have Jesus standing physically in this room before us, but in this moment of conversation with Jesus, heart to heart in this moment, Holy Spirit, you are, you are putting your finger on things in our own hearts that sometimes, or even oftentimes, come between us choosing you. And in this moment, we want to repent. We want to confess, God. We recognize that, that none of these things that we cling to could ever compare with you. And so right now, we release those things in Jesus' name. We let go. We open our hands and stop clutching these things that we, that we think are going to give us life. And Jesus, we embrace you. We say yes to you. if you're here in this room or watching online and you've, you've never done that before, you've never said yes to Jesus, what an amazing moment this is for you to say yes to Him. Simply say, Jesus, I confess my sin, I confess my selfishness and my rebellion against you all these years. I'm sorry. 
I know that my heart aches for more than the stuff of this world can provide me, and so I say yes to you. Come forgive me, come cleanse me, come make me new. Come take me on the adventure of a lifetime. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this song in response. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Jesus. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever stay. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Oh, we live for you. give you thanks and praise that your love truly is the foundation that we are to build on. Thank you for your love, God. 
surrender our lives to you today in a fresh way. You are worthy. You are worthy of all of our lives. We give them to you now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. God, you are so good. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The team is going to just continue to worship for a bit. We're going to take a chance. If you want prayer, we would love to pray with you this morning. There is a meeting in a few minutes, um, but we're in good time, and uh, we're going to get started around 12 o'clock for our meeting. Um, but let's just take a few moments and, uh, and just lean in and worship the Lord this morning.